Welcome to another episode of State of the Art. If this is your first time listening, we talk about art, tech, and the intersection between them. But most importantly, why you should care. We talk to artists, collectors, CEOs, and entrepreneurs. Anyone who has a perspective and an interesting story, we want to bring to you. And so for those of you who listen regularly and are like, this doesn't sound like Andrew. Well, you're right. But for those of you who are longtime listeners, you'll recognize that this is Ethan, the founder of State of the Art and the host for the first 30 episodes before I handed over the reins to Andrew so that he could do an amazing job with all of you. And I focused on building out uh, partnerships as well as events that we're starting to do. So why am I jumping on here today? Well, first of all, because Andrew is getting married this week. Big congratulations. Reach out. Tell him hi, hello, congrats. I know he'd love to hear from you. But also because I have exciting news. Next week, I can't believe I'm saying this, is State of the Arts 50th episode. 50 episodes. It's amazing. And we have a very special one planned. With both me and Andrew reflecting back on the first 49 episodes, bringing in some of our favorite sound bites, and sharing some very exciting news about the future of State of the Art with all of you. So please tune in next week for our 50th episode. Today, Andrew speaks with Francisco Belanca, co founder of Feral Horses. Coined as the Art Stock Exchange, Feral Horses is an online art marketplace where anyone can own their very own piece or share of an artwork. Now, what do we mean by all that? Well, Feral Horses' approach is to break down the elitist streak in the art market so that you can co-own all the artworks you love and invest in promising contemporary artists. It's amazing. It's a wild concept that we just could not ignore. So please, sit back, relax, and then listen more to hear about how it works, how interested artists and patrons can get involved, and about the ethos that drives the team at Feral Horses. So without further ado, please welcome Andrew and Francesco. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in to this week of State of the Art. And this week we have um, a really interesting business, a really interesting guy with us. Uh, that Well, your name is Francesco Blanca, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the business is is Feral Horses, which uh, the company is as sort of strange and wild as the name is. So, um, so Francesco, uh, I, I guess to get us started, can you just give us a little bit of background of like what what is Feral Horses in a nutshell or a large nutshell? <laughs> We're going to try it with a small version of it, and what we do is pretty much we we offer a platform where people can buy and hand sell uh, artworks fractionally so people can buy shares of artworks people can buy participation in the ownership of the artworks uh, what happens around it after is then uh, way more complex and it's kind of like evolving but the core of the business is we now allow ownership of art to anyone that can afford to pay for a bus ticket so uh, you could potentially buy a piece that is worth fifty thousand pounds you can buy a percentage of it uh, by starting with five pounds. So that's pretty much the core of what we do. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this idea of sort of buying shares of of artwork, I think, is um, at, at least on the surface of the art world, a pretty pretty new idea. Where, like, is this? Are you modeling this off of something? Where is the sort of motivation for this? 
the, the we start with uh, the normal cliche of uh, I would like to have this in the world already. It's not happening. We're gonna try to find a way to do it. Um, uh, we started looking at actual financial models and uh, looking into uh, what other assets were already doing. Uh, and, and so we figured out that there were platforms like it for uh, properties, there were platforms like it for equity crowdfunding and startups. Um, but there was nothing like that for the arts. And that was kind of off-putting because like, we, we believed that the interaction with the arts was actually probably cooler to have than any other asset. And, and we kind of evolving into uh, a model that is probably a tad different from the investment-driven, I want my return, I want my money back. Because art is not that. Art is not uh, the perfect asset that you can model. There's no price modeling to be done around it. And that, but there's a lot that art can give in the interaction uh, of the ownership. So we're probably uh, slightly moving on to something that's more like a patronage 2.0, where people come together, buy things together, and then can decide what happens to those things. Uh, sometimes will happen that they're going to profit out of it uh, because they're going to decide that they want to sell it at some point and they probably made a good bet at the beginning and they're going to sell it for profit, which is great. But we now focusing on the process. So mm. what happens once you become an owner and you have your little collection? Uh, how do we create their interaction? Even if it's not, you have it on your walls because you not, it is not feasible to do on a logistical and cost-wise uh, uh, aspect. But there is a way to create that connection, to strengthen that connection with information, with possibility to take decisions on the art, with possibility to influence the, the, the journey of the art pieces, so deciding where it's exhibited, when uh, decided, all a number of things. And we try to pack everything together and kind of create a new model. So we start structuring it on a model of other assets are doing that. And then over this year of things that we've been building, we're, we're realizing that uh, art and the people interacting with art really want something different. Uh, then there are people that just want the investment, but then probably those people are not going to get a lot out of the art itself. Yeah. Uh, they should seek for more. So you're already kind of touching on a very interesting subject. And, you know, I mean, one that's kind of a hot button issue in, in our world. And it's that, you know, the, the business around artwork, at least sort of um, the status quo and it can at times be sort of in conflict with, um, I don't know, shall we say the spirit of of the art world and of the artists in terms of, um, you know, a lot of people, how how um, how artwork is looked at as sort of an investment asset as opposed to, uh, you know, a, a piece of artwork that you would interact with, like going to a concert. Um, so are you guys, you know, with, with your customers... Um, is it sort of the investment side of the art world that is interesting to you? Or is it more, at least from a philosophical or a motivational standpoint, is it more about, well, yeah, there's this investment thing, but really that's just a channel to get more people involved? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough question uh, on, on the practicality of things. Uh, but I, I think is that we have an easy answer on, on the ideal behind it. Uh, and the, we can split in two different things. So, uh, there are other people uh, buying art uh, for profit or they're buying art for ownership. Okay. So uh, the, the ownership side uh, makes then the profit a second step 
of their own interaction. Ownership requires being able to take decision on whatever you own, uh, means that you, you can uh, actually use and have fruition of whatever you own. And that means that you, know, you, you have a strong connection with whatever you own. Uh, profit uh, puts probably aside all this idea of ownership because like, if you can create a synthetic financial instrument on top of a bunch of things, you will do that without having to touch any ownership and you probably don't care about the ownership of things uh, when they give you profit. You know? mm. uh, and on top of that, you know, there's the issue that if we focus on profit and ROI and capital gain on the actual asset art, we're going to end up and go to the very, very, very difficult to manage slope of good art is the art that performs well, mm. which is uh, incredibly wrong in so many different levels and reasons and, 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 and interactions. Uh, good art is not the art that sells well at auctions. Uh, and not, if, if, we, if we take that as a, not as a basic truth, which I think that most of us can relate to, uh, then we have an issue with you know, uh, considering art a merely profitable asset. You know, uh, the profit out of the investment should be a positive outcome of a journey of the users. And I, I don't shy away from the fact that at the beginning we were thinking more in the direction of the investment uh, because what we were thinking is, okay, uh, people that want to invest in things will then want to understand the underlying asset and we want to understand why the art is actually interesting and cool. What we realize is that people that uh, use our platform to invest barely logged in, uh, barely look into the artist, barely hmm. uh, actually try to interact with things. So we're like, okay, so they bought into the fact that they could diversify their portfolio easily, that they could make some money at some point, and that there are probably not some sort of dividends from the rental activity or other ancillary services that we're providing, but they're not there for the art. And it, I mean, what we're doing is trying to you not know, break open the, the the art to a wider audience. And doing that, we're selling stuff, but probably to the wrong people. Mm. Uh, so I, I wouldn't even say that that becomes like a trick not to get people on the platform or a, a tactic to get people on the platform. Uh, it should be a way where the interaction between the the users and the artists on the platform may end with an exit, not with a, with a positive sale where everybody actually makes money. But we now moving forward, not from T zero of this month moving forward, we're trying to actually uh, enrich the the journey not of the ownership, hmm. uh, enrich the, the the relationship between people and and the art. If that makes any sense. Sure. No, it does. But uh, I'm curious. And I mean, I, I ask this because I'm coming from the startup world. And, you know, I, I, I think our world, uh, the world of, well, we, you know, we live in two worlds, right? We live in the art world and we live in the startup technology yeah. world. And um, uh, for better or worse, both of those worlds are fraught with purists, right? And, um, the thing is, when when you're running a business and when you're trying to be a, a a startup, you know whether you're altruistic about it or not. The fact is that the business has to run as a business, right? Like it, it there has yeah. to be money flowing and there has to be um, practical commerce. And so I'm curious about like you know it, in the life cycle that you're in now. And I think this is a really important question for people who don't have the exposure to the startup world. Mm -hmm. You know, with where you guys are at in the process. 
how important is it to stick to those sort of um, idealistic goals of not wanting, uh, you know, wanting people involved in these purchases that actually care about the artwork versus like, hey, you know, right now we kind of just got to have money grinding through the system so that, you know, there's a longer term future for this idea. Oh, I mean, I think it gets down to uh, what what makes you get out of bed in the morning. Um, yeah. We as founders, uh, you you kind of dedicating most of your life uh, to a project, and uh, doing that for the sake of profit is something that I cannot afford. Uh, I I just uh, I just no, I, I wouldn't be up at six a.m and stop working at 11 p.m. every day. Uh, if it was just, okay, there's money flowing. Uh, there has to be something bigger than that. And that's why you know, I have uh, often kind of like regrouping and, and try to kind of like have an interiorization of whatever is happening. And that's what led to the conclusion of what we're talking about now. And the uh, it is important to stick to whatever uh, you wanted to do at the beginning. And we have the luck of having the possibility to do that. And we have the freedom to be able to do that. And we think that in the long term is actually even the best business solution. Um, moving on to a more uh, community-based uh, approach, moving on to, to a way more uh, artist or art-based uh, approach where we care about uh, the art and the impact that the art has on uh, the ecosystem and the people involved in actually owning their art. Uh, because otherwise we would just be uh, democratizing, quote-unquote, the investment in art. Uh, what we realize that we actually want to do is democratizing the ownership of the art because the, 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 the investment in the art is actually an, a new tool for people to make money. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily solve the alienation between the many of the people and the art and if the assumption is art is good artists drive conversation more people should be involved with art then we cannot relegate the art as a subordinate asset uh, that creates profit for people we need to be able to uh, empower and enrich the uh, interaction between mm. people and the art uh, and so I mean, a long ass question to, 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 to answer to say <laughs> that, that, that we, we, yes, we want to stick to, to, to the idea behind what we do. And we don't want to just like uh, uh, not die on the altar of, of some money flowing in the, in the bank account. Sure. So I, I'm curious. I mean, so you've kind of mentioned this idea a couple of times now of the ownership experience versus the investment experience um mm -hmm. what do you uh, can you kind of break that down for us and and how do you yeah. look at the differences there yeah uh, i mean we, we started from uh an actual problem that we were having uh which was people on the platform wanted to have information about the art uh i realized there were two opposite poles there were people uh in the spectrum of investment to ownership there were people on one side willing to have live uh, uh, information about the price changes, which we could not deliver because there's not enough liquidity to give you a stock market-like feeling of not the prices going up and down, nor not the information that causes that. So now some of those people want to kind of like a Bloomberg for art, 
where they could easily, you know, buy, sell, buy, sell without even looking at the art that was behind it. Mm. And on the other side, there were people that were willing to have information about the artist, the art, not what he, is he or she doing, you know, what, what was the journey, you know, what, how they're doing, can we do other things, you know, can we be involved? And, and, and so that translated into how can we gather those two bits of information? Uh, can we, which was the, the other question. And the answer is not that uh, doing live price modeling on art uh, on a daily or hourly or minutely base is with the datification that we have now is bottom line possible. Uh, but we could uh, create uh, enough data flows or information flows between uh, whoever are the gatekeepers of the information and the, the, the owners on all the other different aspects. And so the way we break it down is uh, investors uh, want to have information to take decision on whether to buy or sell. Hmm. Uh, uh, owners or patrons, or we can call it how we want, uh, they want to have information to strengthen their link and understand what not uh, they, their patronee is doing and how is he or she doing and, and how is the evolution and what can they do or if they can take decisions on it. So the way we're going about it is uh, we, we want to create a voting system for, for the owners to be able to take active decisions and huh. to directly manage the asset um, and be able to say, do you know what? I want, uh, I'm just going to throw stupid ideas here, but I want to have that on these uh, insurance. I want to be stored here or there yeah. or I, I want that exhibition to happen. No. And, and with that interaction, then you feel like you're having an impact. And those people that are interested in your ownership will want to have an impact, you know, will want to take proactive decisions, and they want you know, something out of it that can be uh, a VIP preview or, or whatever event or a book, or we're still trying to figure out what's the, 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 digi the, the digital to physical transformation of that interaction. Hmm. Um, investors, they don't want to directly manage because most of those people are not artist savvy. You know? yeah. they, 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 if you don't talk the language, which is you know, uh, a few candle charts of things going up or down, they're gonna be lost, so they're gonna seek you know, uh, third parties, uh, managers, that would manage the art to make it grow. Uh, but they don't care about that process. Uh, why is, what, we, what we think that we should do is actually empower the people to be to be like a patron, not to be like a uh, someone helping the the, the the course and the and the journey of the artist uh, without having to have millions to spend. Hmm. Are you? <clears throat> so I'm curious. Are, are you concerned, or, or or rather, I guess the way I should ask this question is: Is there some implicit mechanism within the platform that you guys are running that would prevent against? Um, you know, basically sharks, for lack of a better word, you know, art day traders, if you will, from coming in and sort of pushing out uh, patrons who may have a little bit less money and a little less investment savvy, but are a little bit more motivated to have that personal relationship with the artwork. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the way we went about it at the beginning, which I remember, we need to bear in mind, it was probably more investment uh, related, but we, we, we put a cap of 20% of shares that could be purchased in the primary market. Gotcha. So that was a way for us to spread ownership as much as possible. Now, moving forward, there are more barriers that we want to create in that direction. There are more things that we want to be able to build in order to prevent those interactions. 
but bottom line, the the that could be a cap on ownership in general. That could be a a different kind of like approach to your platform. You know? If you market yourself as a way to to be a patron, uh, you're less likely to to attract people that are just going to be art flippers or they're just going to be there not for the quick profit of 20 bucks. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be a, a joint effort between the product and the way we position ourselves and the partners that we create uh, with us because uh, the, that opens possibilities uh, that are bottom line uh, infinite or at least finite to the uh, to, 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 to the number of players in the ecosystem in the artwork. Not, uh, you can play with galleries, you can play with uh, with museums, you can play with uh, residencies. And if we manage to find a way to uh, have a system that is clear enough for people uh, to understand, then not only are we giving them the opportunity to experience what it is like to be a patron or a collector, we can call it whatever we want, but also, bit by bit, understand the actual ecosystem. And I, we believe, honestly, that that would be very beneficial for the average Joe. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so let's talk about, uh, you know, I mean, the conversation so far has been around sort of the patronage, ownership, investment side. What about the artists? How, are, how do artists get involved and... Um, do they retain any ownership of the artwork themselves? Or are they a part of this sort of voting process or, you know, making any decisions about what happens to the artwork? So now we are working primarily with artists. So uh, we, we have a good understanding and a better understanding with the time uh, going of what they want. Uh, they can retain shares, so they can retain ownership. And they will definitely not by doing that, they will definitely be part of the voting system as soon as we put it in place. Uh, so the idea is that not the artist can then become also his or her own uh, patron and they can have a more direct impact on, on his or her career uh, moving forward on, on the other side of the table, uh, which, is, which we believe is very interesting. Uh, artists are very uh, amused by the possibility um, <laughs> because also they would be part of, there will be better remuneration on the sales that happens after because they can retain part of the ownership. So part of the sales is theirs. Mm. And uh, the, the, the way that they, 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 that they interact with us uh, is pretty straightforward. Uh, they, uh, they can apply on, on, on a platform. And uh, as for now, we manage uh, the artworks. No? Uh, so we, we take it in custody, at least. Uh, but we're trying to explore new possibilities where the management, sh we believe, should be, quote unquote, up for the vote uh, as much as any other uh, decisions. Uh, so it doesn't have to be managed by federal horses. Uh, it can be managed by uh, whoever we want. Uh, if uh, that third party is, is a trusted third parties and uh, the voting goes in that direction. Mm. Uh, so they just apply on the platform uh, they give us a number of information about uh, their career and a number of data points on uh, possibly past sales in order to validate the sale they offer uh, we don't do that to scrutinize the career of an artist we don't necessarily uh, send public those information uh, actually we never do uh, but it's just a way for us to be like uh, you tell me you want to sell at twenty thousand pounds well uh, the max you sold at two thousand pounds uh, and that was once. Hmm. Uh, it's difficult not to kind of build trust with the users if 
you just inflate the price just because you know there's going to be fractional ownership. Sure. That, so have you found um, – so it's cool to, to hear that there is sort of a mechanism in place for – artists to stay as much or as little a part of the ownership of the artwork as they want. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious in your experience so far, have you found like, what do the artists want? Do they want, do they prefer just to let it go and, and profit from it that way? And they're happy to see that it kind of carries on a life of its own, or do they want to stay pretty attached to their works? All of them block shares. Uh, so all the artists that came through the platform uh, did retain ownership. Okay. Uh, uh, so that that was kind of like a validation on on an assumption, uh, which is uh, if you minimize the cost of them retaining the ownership, and you maximize the profit that they can make out of the first sale because they need money to leave, then you create a good balance uh, where they happy to play with, and they, they they can play with the margins of. I want to keep more shares. I want to have more money now. Uh, but they don't have to completely detach themselves from the art, which, I mean, m- most of the time, uh, artists don't necessarily want to do that. Uh, they know they have to sell. But there is a bit of them in the art that they create. Sure. So knowing that that completely goes away and they're they never going to see that again, uh, is not an easy feeling for 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 the artist. That's why artists sometimes don't even sell to people they don't like. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 it's true. I mean, I, yeah. I've seen some. I've seen some of the artists be like, "Nope." I was about he offered you like more than you ever asked for that piece. Yeah, they don't like the guy. <laughs> so, so so that is, I mean, it's kind of validating that the assumption of artists do want to keep some sort of connection with the art they create. Yeah, yeah. It's so, man, it's it's such an interesting idea. This so, uh, you know, I mean, I I think that you guys have a very different and novel idea of uh, and picture of what democratization sort of of the art world looks like. Um, and I know, so I mean, I know just from talking to you and 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 then sort of understanding the model that you guys are chasing. Um, I mean, it feels like transparency in terms of how prices are set and where things are trading at and stuff like that has to be a principal concern of yours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. The, the big answer is yes. There is always a, but, uh, the, the, the reason for that is that, uh, we can be as transparent as we want on the platform. Sure. Uh, but we, we are not the art market. Um, yeah, at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I mean by that is that, not, uh, that we have artists on the platform that are still selling on the platform uh, at 4,000, 5,000 pounds. And then you go on other websites and or you know by just knowing the artists that they're now selling at 15,000 pounds. Hmm. Now, uh, the, the way to gather those information uh, can be multiples. Uh, the, the, the easy answer is you ask the artist, the easy answer from the artist is no. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they're not sharing that information. Uh, and right, so in their mind, I mean, it's difficult to start transparency from the artist. They are, they're not necessarily not the people benefit the most from, from, from the whole ecosystem. And, and even then, when you start working with uh, uh, masters or, or modern art, then the artists are not here anymore. So, uh, now you, you have an issue of gathering those information. 
Uh, and that's why you know, the, the thing I was saying in the beginning you know, of like the information that the users want you know, becomes way more the transparency of the management of the piece. That at that point, since they're the owners, you know, they want and should demand rather than having transparency or all the things that surround the artist and that do not concern the ownership that they have. Uh, so if I own 10% of a piece, I should, uh, am entitled, and I should want to know where it's stored and why is it stored there and when it's exhibited. Uh, but if I have 10% of a piece, I, I, I'm going to find a lot of friction if I want to know all the other says that the artist does. Mm. Uh, simply because he or she is not going to be willing to to share this information because uh, sure. it's very risky for them. No? Uh, I mean, they maybe they have one year, which is kind of like a bad year for them. They they understand, they kind of do a down round as a startup would. Right. The least people <laughs> know about it, the, the 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 better it is for them. Uh, so so it's very difficult to kind of pull out those information from from the ecosystem. Uh, maybe an artist, a gallery, or whatever you want. Uh, but the 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 information and the transparency on the processes. And the transparency of what we can actually guarantee, we have been working on and we're committed to, to deliver. Hey, everybody, I'd like to pause the episode here for just one second. First and foremost, to give you guys our thanks. We're so appreciative that you guys like what we do and are listening. Uh, we really couldn't do it without you. We love making this podcast, but obviously, you have to be there for us to make it. If you're interested in helping us out a little bit more, if you want to go the extra mile, we would appreciate it so much. And there's two ways that you can help. The first, leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. This seems like a little thing. I know everybody's always asking you to do it, but it helps us so much. And more than anything else, it helps people like you find us. So if you find us interesting, other people hopefully do too. The second thing that you can do is let us know what you find interesting. Tell us what you want to hear. Please just reach out to us. Say anything to us. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at State of the Art. All right. Thanks so much. And back to the podcast. What about the actual, like, the price setting mechanic? I mean, I know that you guys are using a lot of um, data science in the back end to sort of figure out. And I, I mean, I think this is one of the big questions um, that people have. And, and, and I have to assume this is a, a question you get a lot from people starting yeah. to kind of get their feet wet in the ownership. And um, like, I, I think people are genuinely, <laughs> even if they're not necessarily put off by it, I think people are still genuinely curious about um, why is one piece worth X versus Y? And, you know, how do we come up with a value for this artwork that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, is implicitly pretty difficult to assign a value to? Um, yeah. So are you using technologies in the back end to help set those prices or to help give visibility into um, at least how the mechanism works? What are you actually using that data science for in the back end? Well, I mean, the data science we're using now um, uh, is part of a longer process of trying to understand what you just described. Yeah. Uh, we do not have the answer now. If we did, we, we were probably already done an exit and we were probably somewhere else. <laughs> uh, just kind of like enjoying the exit. Or, right, uh, right. But like the, the, the point there is, uh, is we can have the best data scientists in the world. You put them in a room. And they're going to be like, we have three transactional data points every 100 years. 
on sales of an office. Right, right. That is magic, not that science. So the, the, the issue there is datification of the market, not, and it's linked back to the opacity that uh, uh, is encouraged and perpetuated by the big players, and then it kind of like trickles down on all the other smaller players, which is they don't want to show the transactions, they don't want to show the, the information, where the artist went, who buys it, and for what reason. Um, so by doing that, it kind of like not, you, 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 you get away with uh, price fluctuation uh, that are never recorded. And not at the end, uh, the data scientists cannot work necessarily directly on the pricing models. Mm. What you can do on the other end not, is try to find uh, uh, trends on other data points. Uh, we're working with uh, uh, doing a lot of analysis on the media outlets and the way they talk about the art and how that could possibly impact the career or the, the pricing of an artist. Uh, and we do other projects on exhibitions and we try to figure out stuff. Uh, I, I don't deny that, but, uh, the, at this point in time, we don't position ourselves as price makers. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, and whoever tells you that they have, uh, an algorithm today to clearly tells you why, uh, tell you why, uh, an artwork is worth that amount of money. <laughs> I would probably be very skeptical about it. Uh, I know there are people that are doing amazing stuff on on modeling at scale, not of secondary markets and and large uh, volumes, but uh, on the granularity of an emerging artist, why is four K or five K difficult to to say? So, yeah. no, what comes in place is for us uh, is is not a price making mechanism; it's more of a price validation. Mm. So it's about. Gotcha. Uh, can you somehow tell me as an artist that, uh, that, that that is worth how much you say? And the easiest thing to do is look at the past days. Have you ever sold at that price point? Yeah. Uh, if the answer is yes, then uh, it's kind of like, quote, unquote, uh, easy to say, well, uh, yeah, that, that kind of happened already. Yeah. Uh, you could probably do it again. Uh, then, then, then there are like the ratios of like the price and the square centimeters, not for very emerging artists, and you can use that as well. But bottom line, if we go back to the idea of like ownership, not shared ownership and patronage, uh, whether a piece is four or five k, whether you you buy it for like we buy one share for four or five pounds, it's not necessarily going to change the world in the way you interact with that. No? If this, if it's investment driven then every penny counts. No? Every small percentage counts in the, in the fluctuation. Hmm. If you're there for the long run, if you're there to support an artist or to create your own collection and to uh, enrich collections, then the all the, the pricing becomes just a mean to find uh, not a, 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 an interaction between or like a, a shared uh, ground between the people selling and the people buying, just like for startups. No? The, there are no perfect modeling for startups anyway right 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 uh it's just about you know, how much equity are you willing to give and how, how much money you need and then you you talk to the vc about okay well does those numbers make any sense yeah 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 <laughs> it's a very similar approach yeah do you so do you think i'm curious in this this i mean now this is just kind of like the nerd curiosity coming out in me <laughs> you know one of the things that 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 i've understood about the art market is that um one of the things that makes this pricing so difficult, whether you're looking at it algorithmically or just, you know, sort of um, traditionally or heuristically or whatever, uh, is that 
it's it's sort of like the weather where <laughs> there's so many independent variables that are so unexpected and difficult to account for that to try to predict it like while it's very clear that um you know the weather is the result of sort of the environment around the weather um to be able to understand that environment well enough uh, is nearly an impossible task to making accurate sort of predictions. Um, do you feel sort of from a from a technical standpoint that the goal of using, you know, collecting um, uh, purchase data and even, like you're saying, media data and things like that, um, do you feel like it will at some point be possible to sort of come up with reasonable pricing models that are, you know, predictive and take into account trajectory of an artist's career and provenance and stuff like that? Well, I mean, potentially, uh, the, the answer has to be yes. Uh, uh, just because I don't put limit to technology. <laughs> uh, uh, but there's kind of like a faith in it more than a clear, uh, path that I see not ahead of us. Sure. Um, it's, it's more about, uh, and I think it's going to more and more be about understanding how big an imp- uh, how big of an impact certain uh, events have in the history of of, of an artist or an artist. Uh, I don't think we're going to necessarily be able to depict uh, or at least in the the short term of a timeline uh, to depict not a uh, perfect transporting and uh, predictive analytics on price fluctuation. I think what's going to be more possible uh, is to kind of like look back at what the history told us and see what are the major events that contribute to uh, price bumps or or, 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 or price drops. Uh, Hmm. And that will help us to understand the ecosystem better, will bring more transparency uh, and uh, will probably take some values down because you're going to see the reason why not. Some people probably overpaid some pieces, and <laughs> but, but that is probably gonna gonna play a part in the, the, the transparency process. Now, and knowing that going to that uh, residency or going to their university uh, usually not accounts for a price increase in whatever the artist uh, is doing, um, but, but not taking an artist X and just like saying, okay, that's what's going to happen in the future. I think there's a lot of things to do before actually be able to say that we're going to get there. Yeah. Man, this is so interesting. Um, Talk to me about... um, So Okay, so to to break this down a little bit, because we've covered a lot of ground here. So um, so artists... uh, I mean, basically, the only barrier for an artist to use your platform is that you guys have to do some reasonable validation that um, their artwork is, is worth more or less what they're saying it's worth based on maybe some previous sales or some sort of um, career points, right? Uh, And then once that artwork is sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, listed on your market, um, then it becomes sort of open to the market to invest in pieces or shares of that, that piece, right? Um, mm-hmm. and it sounds like from what you've said, there are reasonable caps on how much you can own so that, um, you know, there's measures to prevent people from just overtaking the market and sort of swaying it however they want. Um, mm-hmm. and then once, once that artwork is sort of in that ecosystem and you have 
people that own different amounts of shares, um, then it sort of operates like like a publicly traded company where um, what happens to that artwork is largely dependent on uh, the voting rights of the ownership shares. Is that correct? That yes, it will be correct. Uh, we don't have the voting system right. yet in place, but that is. That's definitely not the way uh, it is, is evolving as a platform. Uh, there are, at this point in time, some geographic limitations to sure. our operations. Uh, they're just for logistical reasons. I mean, we're based in London, and uh, we are, the legal framework that covers us at the, this point in time only covers us in, in Europe. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to, to open a customer site uh, in the U.S. as well mm. very soon. Um, but on the artist side, now we probably require some more more time on our side, uh, just because it's very difficult to manage art, not at scale, and uh, we need to solve another few few things before actually being able to sure. accept art from all over the world. And uh, but then, I, I mean, after that happens, so yes, I mean at this point in time, the process is very straightforward. Um, we either get the art shipped or we go and pick it up. Uh, we put it in storages here in London, and we start not. Uh, managing it actively um, hmm. and that is for the lack of the voting system and the lack of other third players uh, not involved in the management uh, so, uh, ideally yeah sorry, sorry. so so once so once that idea is fully baked um mm -hmm. and and i mean i understand it's always man startup it's always you know where you want to get and then the the question is how to get there but um but once that idea is sort of fully baked, how do you see like who then bears the responsibility for those logistical things like um, like shipping and preservation and storage and sourcing um, the exhibitions that you might show at and things like that? Yeah, I what I I mean, the the ecosystem already has those players. Mm, gotcha. Uh, the ecosystem has already businesses that do that for a living. Gotcha. Uh, now we have to overlook most of it uh, just because that's the way it goes now. No, it's way easier to do it uh, ourselves with few pieces and have to not involve a number of different players. But as soon as the voting system is up and running, what happens is that uh, you're going to be able to choose uh, as a community you know, what, what kind of insurance we want, mm. what kind of uh, uh, transportation you want to happen and uh, how the logistics should be handled. And at that point, there's going to be hopefully a number of players involved that they can then offer the services, be competitive on that market, and then grab new customers and create connections with them. And we just become the platform, not the technological enabler of all these players. And then that gives the freedom of the owners to take decisions on their on their art of their own. Sure. So, so what's next for you guys, man? What's the, where, where are we going from here? I mean, it's the groundwork here is, is impressive. And I think you guys are working on something really interesting. What do you think it's going to take to sort of get this thing to where you want it to go? Yeah. I, thank you for that. <laughs> and no, the, I mean, the, there's a lot of baby steps. Um, it not, is a lot of like, uh, loop of feedback with uh, all the stakeholders and all the people involved in the ecosystem and um, bit by bit being able to pull more people in the ecosystem and try to understand what the pain points and what not what what was the job that they do with us you no know, what was was the job to be done on our side for them 
uh, and iterate on that and be able to actually give people the experience that they want. Uh, maybe the voting system, maybe uh, uh, e-wallets that, no, that we're implementing, maybe uh, art at different price points, or maybe better exhibitions or uh, longer exhibitions or whatever those people are going to say they want. Uh, and all those are going to be features, tactics, uh, not a little, little interaction to get to actually what we want, which is uh, get more people involved in the art system. Uh, and demystifying this idea that the art market is phony baloney, is all BS, not, and everything is far-fetched. Uh, we don't want that interaction to happen because that alienation creates huge issues. Right. Uh, that alienation creates a problem where uh, people disregard museums because uh, whatever. And uh, it shouldn't be like that. No? Uh, if, if we live in a, in a moment where more and more people are, are just going back in their nationalisms and the, the, the feeling of communities is less and less structured, and we're we, we going apart you know, as societies and retreating in our little homes. Uh, it's, just, it's just sad that that's the way you know, we're moving forward. And the role of the artists in the society is to kind of challenge those points, right? to, to make people think and to make people interact with something they don't necessarily comfortable or, uh, or fine with. And the, the more people we manage to get uh, in, interacting with art, you know, and and the, the tool we're using at this point you know, is ownership. Mm. Uh, the, the better we believe, you not know, at scale, you know, uh, the, the interaction between humans will be. So that, that, that's the big goal. The, the next little steps you know, will, will not necessarily be defined by us. You know. there's, there's a strategy, uh, you know, there's a the big vision of what we want to do. Uh, the little incremental step, I mean, we have you know, the, the people that looks with the, with the users and the artists is actually literally on a daily basis. Uh, so the, the way you know, the product is built, the way that the processes are built uh, is kind of like a crowdsourced uh, effort of how do we implement this big idea that we have into an ecosystem that already happens and already exists. Uh, so so the, the, the voting system is a big one, or the, the e-wallets are a big one. Uh, getting different art on the, on the platform uh, is another important one, and getting as many players as possible in the ecosystem to be playing with federal horses yeah. uh, is, is crucial for us. The way we go about it, we're going to find out next week and the week after. <laughs> fair, fair enough, man. That's, that's, how, that's how it goes in the wild world of a startup, right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, I got to say, man, I, you know, I, it, it first investigation of the platform um, frankly, I was a little skeptical because I think that, uh, you know, and I think it's a reasonable thing to be skeptical of at the surface level whenever you're, you know, whenever you start hearing, um, well, you know, maybe the solution to the problems in the art world is to treat it a little bit more like a, like the stock market <laughs> or, you know, it's, it's something that's yeah. easy to be skeptical of, but I would really, you know, I have to say I, you've converted me as a believer and I, and I really hope that our listeners, um, take seriously what you guys are doing because I think that um, what you have done a really exceptional job of, and this is my humble opinion, um, but, what Thank you, you so much. but what you guys have done an exceptional job of is is being realistic and practical about what the problems in the art world are and trying to attack it from an angle that um, is going to actually work in the, in the systems that we have today. You know, it's that our world is flooded with, with, 
idealists and altruists and purists, and that's great, and they motivate us. But the problem with a lot of that line of thinking is that at the end of the day, a lot of those strategies just aren't realistic because they don't play by the rules of the real world. Um, yeah. And I think that you guys are are doing a really interesting, great job at trying to tackle a really hard problem as realistically as you can, which means some compromises. So, um, yeah. you know, kudos to you guys. <laughs> no, thank you for that. And I mean, I think that the the whole point of not trying to, uh, to to get down to reality is is crucial, uh, but at the same time, is very risky. Uh, sure. And let's say I go back to the first thing you said. No, when you have some people put in some some money on the platform and then they they, they want the return, uh, no, it, it it does take some 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 decisions to be like, hey, no, we're actually going in another direction. Sure. And it's probably not in the super short term. There's less money, um, uh, but the the whole point is uh, we, we could either do two things. We either uh, replicate the self-centered uh, art markets, not they already exist, uh, opening it a little bit and uh, kind of putting it online, or we can try to actually be a bit dreaming about it and, 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 and try to create a new ecosystem with a new way for players to interact. And if we're able to do that, then at whatever scale that's going to be, uh, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call that definitely success. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that's such a good attitude to have. I mean, that's, um, you know, obviously we all want to grow up to be billionaires and sail around the world in yachts and stuff like that. But I think, you know, I mean, one of the nice things about being in the art world is that people realize also the benefit of, um, uh, of just experimenting and just seeing what's going to work and what's going to stick a little bit more than you might find in, in other markets or other, other areas of commerce. Yeah. 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 I mean the, and I mean the, the bottom line, I mean, we are still a startup. So uh, the, you know, the, the, the struggles and the, the understandings of the processes in a, in an economical level have to be similar. Uh, and, uh, and you have to probably sometimes uh, talk about it to some stakeholders and not necessarily familiar to that. Mm. Uh, so that, that kind of like, uh, the, 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 sometimes it adds a, another layer of complexity to uh, explaining to, to an artist that's not really interested in whatever you're telling <laughs> him or her of how that thing is going to play out and why sh they should try that. Sure. So it, it's a fun interaction. It's a fun interaction. But it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good market to be in for the people that are in it. Yeah. Uh, it's not yet a good market to be in it because of the market. Right, right, right. That's right. what it's to be. <laughs> well, look, I mean, a lot. You know, anybody who's 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 been around this world knows that um, it's just a matter of time before there's major disruption from the technical world here. Um, and when there is, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity and a lot of. Um, you know, not just for money to be made, but also for influence over sort of changing yep. the status quo. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, man, kudos to you. It's not it's not <laughs> an easy market, but uh, <laughs> to the victor will go many spoils. I think so. Um, so, so <laughs> before before I let you go, though, uh, we do have some rapid fire questions just for our listeners mm -hmm. to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, you have a couple of minutes to finish up with this. Cool. Great. So uh, the idea is just fire off as quickly as you can a response, uh, and and we'll see where it goes. All right. Okay. All right. So, what is the first album that you remember purchasing? 
Radiohead. Oh man. Wow. That's a great one. I don't, usually people are embarrassed by their first album, but that's great. Mine was. No, but the reason for that, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I, I have an answer for that. I mean, I, cause I didn't buy albums when I was a kid or a <laughs> teenager. Uh, so we're just listening to things on YouTube with very poor quality and actually bought an album, uh, later on. Uh, that was actually the, the recording of Life from the Basement from the Radiohead. Very uh, nice. But I was just like later in my career of a listener. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I, mine was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, which I'm not ashamed of, but is not as cool as Radiohead, I have to say. <laughs> uh, what are your favorite words of wisdom or favorite quote? I hate quotes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right then words of wisdom uh no the oh oh the i i would go for the the the, the fermi uh no the, the rico fermi theory of 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 uh the and then then taken again from from elon musk of the idea that we probably in a virtual simulation um they're not necessarily word of wisdom. It's just funny to think about it because it kind of like fucks up with your mind. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, I really just like enjoyed that that moment of kind of like putting things in perspective and being like, no, that's what that's what the theory does. And I kind of like puts you in perspective and be like, right, like right how right. significant am I really uh, in this kind of like big mess? So uh, the, the wisdom there is kind of like re put yourself in a situation where you can understand the bigger picture or whatever goes around you. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's. Have you ever stumbled across the YouTube channel? Uh, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but Kurtzkasat, the it's a oh, they're amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. Yeah, I think, and they have. Um, I think they have a, a, a little five minute snippet on the Fermi paradox. So they do. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I studied that in high school, and then. I figured that out then again, and I was like, "Oh, that's way better explaining my <laughs> man." That's actually way easier. That is that is what they do, though. Explain impossible to explain things. All right, they are. Amazing. What is what is your favorite alcoholic beverage? Wine. And what wine? What's your favorite wine? I, I mean, I, I I come from Tuscany, so we we do ah, uh, red wines that are very similar to what you would find in, in Bordeaux in in France. They're very tannic, uh, so you know that, that little kind of feeling of dust in your mouth uh, after a good red wine. Um, that is something that really missing here in London because they're too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, a good Italian boy, right? You got to go with the red wine. <laughs> Have to. And last but not least, what do you think of the handball in the finals of World Cup? <laughs> That we were not playing in it. <laughs> so you don't care. Who the hell Fair enough. Fair enough. That is a totally reasonable answer. I don't care because Italy was not in it. <laughs> exactly. Those are the only finals that matter. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Your thoughts on the handball are it was not by an Italian player, so you have no opinion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great. Well, Francesca, this has been... Uh, uh, honestly, a, a really fun conversation. Um, I think what you're doing is super interesting. I think you're super interesting. So I really, uh, I, I hope people tune into this and, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thank you so much, guys. The work that you're doing with the podcast is amazing. Uh, it's really super interesting. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. All right, Francesco, you have a great day. You too. All right, everyone. 
It's me again, Ethan. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you want to hear more about feral horses, you can visit them online at feralhorses.co.uk. That's F-E-R-A-L horses.co.uk. Or on Instagram at feralhorses. So until next week, we are so excited again to bring you the 50th episode. Let us know if you have any questions, any comments, anything you want us to discuss. And we're really excited to share this news about the future. Thank you.